Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. An excruciating loss. A, um, I can't believe what I just saw, I believe, is the uh, phrase I used late to steal one from the sports annals. Kevin Bowen, back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Eddie Garrison uh, in with us. Eddie, great to have you. You are the busiest man right now in this building. So uh, with Chris Presley dealing with a little bit of his own work stuff, uh, thank you very much for joining. No problem. Thanks for having me on again. I know I did one earlier in the year. I think it was before the season started, but it's nice to be back. A little bit more juice to this one, Eddie. So, uh, again, thank you for that. Um, We're kind of on a tight schedule. The Colts on a short week, so I don't want to waste a whole lot of time here. Uh, We'll try to stick to as normal of a pod as uh, you guys are used to, but uh, Colts have media availability here coming up late on a Monday morning, so the show just ended, so I want to get into just overall. um, Man, what a golden opportunity. You know, you're up two scores. You know, what, you had 70-some yard advantage in penalties. Uh, Derrick Henry is hurt, and you did a great job on him as well. I don't want to lose sight of that. I thought the run defense was was really good. Um, and you're in your own building. I thought Lucas Oil was a great environment. Um, everything seemed to be kind of going right for you. And uh, then you get to the fourth quarter, and we talk about measuring stick, and we talk about, you know, this team and – you know, beating playoff teams, and it just wilts. And I thought Frank Wright and Carson Wentz choked, uh, to be honest with you. So we'll certainly get into that. But, uh, Eddie, just any overall thoughts from yesterday? You know, when I saw Miles Turner bang the anvil, I, I was nervous. I go, oh, boy, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't know if that's a good omen to, uh, to start the day. Yeah, I knew he was going to hit the anvil the previous night. I was talking with Eddie White about that, and he goes – Good thing he had a double-double the night before <laughs> so that the fans couldn't boo him. That was but, probably the loudest cheer he's heard all year. <laughs> probably, but uh, I think the low-hanging fruit here and what I didn't like, Jonathan Taylor not touching the ball much in the second half. He averages four and a half yards a carry throughout the game, 70 yards on 16 touches, um, and you go away from him outside of that one-yard touchdown run. I feel like he was a non-factor, especially in that second half. Um, another thing for me that I've kind of been hitting on, I know Jimmy Cook and I talk about this on the way too early pregame show on the fan, is that you just extended Naheem Hines and gave him some good money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you are Very not good. you're not using him in the ground game or in the passing game. So if I'm Naheem Hines, I am perfectly fine with the money I'm getting and barely being utilized. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great point. You look at the two meetings this year with Tennessee, Eddie. Hines' touch has been very minimal. But how about Taylor? He's over five yards a carry. 26 total carries in those two games, two losses. So, again, we'll get more into that in just a second. Uh, quickly, before I get into what uh, what I didn't like, because we start with that after losses, I always circle a play of where I felt like this game turned. And I know a lot of people point to the Tyquan Lewis play, and unfortunately it looks like season-ending knee injury. We'll talk Friday's pod will be a little bit more bigger picture. Colts are a double-digit favorite over the Jets. Just beat the freaking Jets. And we'll talk a little kind of mid-week, you know, mid-year report there on Friday. Um, so the Tyquan Lewis stuff, we'll talk there. But I point to the fourth and three decision, 40-yard line, late first quarter when you're up 14 nothing. You guys know that I like Frank Reich's aggression more than I, I, I don't like it. I, I'm a fan of it. Um, but what your chart says on a Friday, that information is purely information to use on a Sunday. It should not dictate decision-making. I know Frank said afterwards it was a strong go situation. At that point, point of the game, 
the sun was kind of weird, you know, on that possession. Yeah. And I know that sounds yeah. crazy, but it was. So I'm thinking there, first off, I would have ran it on third and three if I'm going to go for it on fourth and third. 100%. Um, Taylor wasn't in, I don't think Taylor was in the game. He definitely didn't touch it. And Frank did regret that. But um, I'm punting that ball away. And I know that is, that screams like loser mentality to so many people because the 40-yard line is like such a no-man's land part of the field. But the Titans had not shown one ounce of life, not oon ounce of life at all at that point in the game. They needed something. And you handed them an opportunity saying, we're going to go for it, and if you guys stop us, hello short field. Rigoberto Sanchez at that point of the season, I'm not sure if he had one in the game. I don't remember him having one during the game. Yeah, he didn't have one. The dude's got one touchback all year. You cough and corner that, that, that punt, and you make the Titans drive. Um, I know hindsight super 2020. I leaned over to Mike Chapel at that time and sits next to me and said, I would probably punt this away. Um, I know Badgley, a field goal there would have been 58, I think. His long is actually 59. Um, now, I'm not acting like that's the move I would have made. Right. I probably punt that ball away there. So, again, hindsight very 2020. They needed life. You gave them life. And I thought the trickle down effect happened from there. They threw 37 passes to tight ends in the next drive, converted <laughs> them all, and boom. I think at that point, too, it was early in the game. I know we'll touch on this a little bit later, is that Derrick Henry was hurt, I think, after that first initial possession for Tennessee. That's a great point. And I think their struggles offensively were because they were trying to change their game plan mid-game because it's like, okay, this guy's hurt, and we can't rely on him like the normal amount of touches that we can give him. So we have to change our game script here. What do we go to? All right, well, the Colts struggle at defending tight ends. That, that's something they have. It's been their Achilles heel and the Eberflus yeah. era is that they cannot – cover any tight ends with any linebacker really um and then you start getting those in breaking routes with aj brown because i don't know if the colts ever picked up that derrick henry was hurt no no um yeah and it was shown on the telecast i know and that's you know people up in the booth have got to be on that seeing him getting worked out and he was clearly limited like clearly limited that's a great point that you bring up eddie i think that um only adds to it there okay uh what i didn't like what's the first thing that i sent you about that uh you have the right killer instinct and then Wentz decision making okay let's start with the right killer instinct um and i guess this is where we can talk a little jonathan taylor usage here um frank reich is adamant even today um about he doesn't think they abandoned the run anywhere near to the point where um, I guess I just spent three hours talking about it on the morning show. 51 pass attempts for Carson Wentz, 16 rushing attempts from Jonathan Taylor. The word I use there for that is malpractice. Um, where my biggest issue, I'm sitting there watching Sunday Night Football last night, and Cooper Rush's dad, shout out to him, just unbelievable emotions. I love that NBC kept on showing him. Um, they check it down to Ezekiel Elliott, third and 12 with what? I don't know, less than a minute ago, I feel like, in the game. And Zeke breaks at least two, probably three tackles, and picks up a first down with, a, again, a check down ball. That is an elite running back who is much more rested than the opposing defense. Yep. That is what the fourth quarter is about for high-level running backs. Jonathan Taylor did it so many times in college. Hasn't had as many opportunities to do it here in the NFL, but has in that you have a guy that is a high level, not only just running back, he's a high level, like, uh, you know, stamina human being. I mean, incredibly durable. Athlete, yeah. Like, he doesn't mess around with that stuff. And you've got a Titans defense that Jeffrey Simmons had gotten hurt, Danico Autry gotten banged up. 
Um, in general, they're just a banged-up defense. Not giving him the ball in those moments, to me, absolute malpractice. One touch in overtime when you had seven snaps there. I get it. You were in some two-minute offense. You had a couple penalties called back or a couple run plays called back due to penalties there. But um, I, I just thought it was asinine to give Taylor the ball that few times. I mean, hell, Derrick Henry is playing on a broken foot, and he's getting the ball 12 more times than Jonathan Taylor? Yep. Like, oh, man. I <laughs> – I, I just don't get it, Eddie. It goes back to week three. I don't get it. You're trying to alleviate the plate of Carson Wentz. You're helping him out. Um, you have an offensive line that's intact. I wish I had more answers for you there. But again, Frank Reich is standing by it. He does not feel like that that he bailed on the run anywhere near as much as I've, I've said it. But uh, to me, it was a massive, massive, massive mistake. I do too. And if you go back and rewatch some of those holding penalties that they called on I think Jonathan Taylor had three like 20 yard runs that were all called back on penalties one of them I kind of understood it was I uh, was going it was going to left side between Q and Braden Smith on the backside had the the hold yeah and Ryan Kelly had a hold as well yeah later. Kelly had a hold that one was obvious I mean yeah. you could see it live but the Braden Smith one was a bit questionable because it was on the opposite side of the play and it's not like I don't think that right end's going to make that play from behind because right. Taylor was so far ahead I thought Chris Reed had an iffy one too yeah so there I mean, were the flag <laughs> how about the crew yesterday yeah I mean, unbelievable and then the fumble can you show me an angle yes preach God. Gosh, I didn't bring that up today in the show. Where Kari Willis didn't come away with that football? George Odom. It was Odom, sorry. Yeah, George Odom, yeah, it came out of the pot. Yes, I thank you for bringing that up because, yes, I couldn't agree more with that there. Yeah, the officiating crew. I believe they throw the most flags in the league. I think so, too. If I'm not mistaken. So we obviously saw that. And just, like, I guess a little bigger picture with Reich, Eddie. Um... Again, I've been probably more of a Reich guy than most, I think. You know, I'm not, like... I have some issues with game management with him, but play calling, I'm a little bit, um, you know, less like on a, oh, my God, Marcus Brady needs to call the plays. Like, if Frank Reich's not calling the plays, why is he your head coach? Right. He was hired for his offensive, you know, and I put it in quotes, geniusness. The big picture is this. Reich has so much unwavering loyalty conviction, belief, like you talk about the perfect father, you know, husband, (laughs) son, brother, whatever. I mean, Frank Reich's top five nicest human being I've ever met. Yeah. I mean, and I I mean that all seriousness and, you know, I know Frank has strongly disagreed with things that I've said in the past. And still, you know, when you see him, he doesn't act like there's ill will. But that conviction, that belief at times, I think it clouds his decision making where I'd like to see him swallow his pride. A little bit. Or admit, like, you know what? Eric Fisher tore that Achilles how many months ago? That's not Walter Jones at left tackle. We we should probably help Eric a little bit more. My quarterback, yeah, he's Carson Wentz. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's got similar faith beliefs that I do. Mm-hmm. But he's not Aaron Rodgers. Right. So you can lean on Jonathan Taylor a little bit more. Like, it's okay to have great belief publicly in front of your football team, but then behind a closed door, when you're creating game plans, admit faults, acknowledge faults, realize where you're weak and you have some deficiencies, and then plan a game plan around that. That's where I have a little bit of a, um, I guess, a big issue. You know, Not every team is perfect. Like, that's life in the NFL. Um, and the other thing I'm worried about, too, is like, that's a, these, this team's kind of blowing a lot of big leads. Yeah. I know it was early to be up 14 nothing, but... 
you know, that's that's several now that we've seen. Um, so that's a little bit more big picture on Reich. Yeah, something that I want to kind of touch on too, KB, is at the start of the year, and I know last year, notoriously, that defense for the Colts was so bad in the first half and so good in the second half. Now it's kind of seemed like it's flipped a little bit to where they have been solid in the first half and then the second half they haven't been able to be the same defense that we saw last year. And I think that's kind of hurt them in the overall scheme of things lately and the reason why it seems like they're blowing some of those big leads. No, I think that's a good point. We'll talk about the defense here and things that I did like. I'll sneak in a little bit of what I didn't like defensively. Uh, next one I had was Wentz. Decision-making, yes. Um, when we do these Monday pods, it's a very – uh, 24-hour reactionary bit. I, I, I try to save the big-picture stuff to where I either obviously point out that it's a big-picture take. So let's focus right here in what we just saw Carson Wentz do on Sunday. I thought it was an awful performance. Um, you take out the interceptions, Eddie. 52% completion percentage. 4.5 yards per attempt. That 4.5 yards per attempt, um, lowest for him since his rookie season. That is an awful number. A couple drops, certainly. Um, I point to a fourth quarter sequence before we break down the interceptions. Titans have a third and 17, I believe, from the 42. They're out of field goal range. Easy pitch and catch, Tannehill to A.J. Brown. Bullock trots out there for a 46-yarder, mm-hmm. which indoors in today's NFL, that's you know 90%. Well, what, whatever, makes it. Very next drive, Colts have a third and 16 from the 42. It was like, oh, my God. Here we are again. Wentz has Ashton Doolin wide the bleep open. Throws it over Doolin's head. Just because Doolin's a good athlete, he's able to go up and get, like, you know, fingertips on it. Yeah. And now you got a punt. And it's just, like, the inaccuracy of Wentz. I thought in the fourth quarter it's the shakiest we've seen him all year long. Three of 14 on his final 17 pass attempts. Second half, he was eight of 19. God, that's geez, that's horrific. Um, with the rating of fifty point one against corners that you got to go to your, you know, you got to go to your booklet to find who these corners are. I mean, it's arguably the weakest cornerback group in the NFL right now. Um, that's awful. That's awful play by your quarterback. Carson Wentz has done a lot of good this season. A lot of good for you. Um, there are steps to being a you know an elite quarterback. Yesterday, ninety seconds to go. I tweeted out something like. What a moment for Carson Wentz. Like, I mean, what a – here's your opportunity in your new home against a weak cornerback group, game on the line, arguably the season on the line when you're talking about it from an AFC South standpoint. And Carson Wentz literally was when I take a shower with Rosie Bow and she gets out and I'm scrambling <laughs> to find a diaper and she just pees all over the floor. And sure enough, he was like, you know what? Uh, Rosie's like, Dad, you didn't learn because Rosie's done that probably twice to me in the last week. Carson did it twice. You know, he's like, oh, regulation wasn't good enough. I'm going to do it again. Let's go to the interceptions, all right? Um, Last week's pod, what I like, what I didn't like. We do it every show. What I didn't like last week was the turnover-worthy plays we saw from Wentz. Mm -hmm. I wanted to point it out because I said, let's go back to the Miami game, folks. Miami game ends. Jacoby Brissett is moving the ball up and down the field at will in the fourth quarter. Uh, Let's circle that. Let's watch that against an elite opponent. If that shows up against a better team, you're getting burned. Lamar Jackson, eight days later, burned. Last Monday's pod. 
49ers game, turnover-worthy plays. Wentz was lucky not to have two, three interceptions by the midway point of the second quarter. Oh, 100%. We circle it. Yes, the weather wasn't great, but let's just keep an eye on this because that decision-making wasn't wasn't good. And usually Wentz, is a, Wentz does not throw a lot of INTs. Fumbles really has been his big issue. Yesterday, it showed up, and you got burned against a better team. So what I'm hearing is that you can predict next week's lottery numbers. <laughs> Shit, man! Uh, you see how much money I lost gambling this this, <laughs> this weekend. You would not, uh, you would not go there. Um, although I did, I did pick the uh, pick the Titans. So far, eight for eight this year on my uh, on my Colts picks. So Rosie Bow is getting a nice little uh, bump in the old uh, five twenty nine here. Um, <laughs> all right, for, for, first interception. What was the play call? Like. It, a screen in that situation, I, I get it. It's the first play of a drive. You think you can catch the defense off off guard? Th- give me a draw. How about a draw to Taylor? Like that, a draw to Hines. You know that would have been better to me. The screen puts Wentz right into the end zone. So again, Frank Reich has thought about this play call for how many minutes? So, you know he knew mm-hmm. this drive was coming. Yeah, and that's the play call. And then Reich after the game is saying, "I apologize. It's I appreciate the transparency. I appreciate the apology. I appreciate you admitting that you're wrong." But this is the NFL. You don't have nine lives. You apologize mm-hmm. after Baltimore. You got lucky against San Francisco. You got another opportunity to correct it, and you did. You just and now your lives are all but out, and it's not even November. Okay, where do you stand on the Carson Wentz decision in that in that point of the game? Terrific. Do you take the safety and risk okay. it? It's. I had some caller try to say that Carson Wentz should deserve credit for not taking the safety there because the safety would have ended the game. I'm like, if Carson Wentz is thinking that in that moment, this dude should be making every decision for our country right now. That he can <laughs> literally think like that on his feet. Um, you freeze frame it, Eddie. Bud Dupree is slowly getting up to his feet because Bud Dupree was right there. You know, he mm-hmm. blew up Hines and Fisher, whoever else was over there, uh, and Danico Autry is is coming into Carson Wentz's uh, face and, and is a, a free rusher. Mo Alley Cox is now posted up, hands up. Carson has got the ball cocked like he's going to throw it. Yeah. And he's got two feet in the end zone. At that point in the game, now with this officiating crew, who knows, if you throw that ball in a two-yard radius of, of Mo Alley Cox and you throw it as hard as you can into the ground, they're going to call that incomplete. You always see them give on screens give the benefit of the doubt to the court. Mm-hmm. Think about how many balls Rivers just threw into the ground. I'm like, that's got to be grounding. You know, Rivers is so herky-jerky. Yeah. And sure enough, he's running over to the ref and pointing out, you know, guys that are in the area. And the refs are like, yeah, he's right. Like, you can get away with that there. Um, you got two free rushers. You, you can't move out of the pocket at that point. Yeah. Like, I, I don't understand. And again, Wright put him in a bad, bad situation. I want to make that very clear. But this is a first and ten, Carson. Ground it. Not ground it, you know. You know what I'm saying. Just throw it into the dirt. Throw it in the dirt. The Thank you. Um, throw it into the dirt there. you got to know time and score. All of that. All right. Second interception. Oh, my. To say it is ten times worse than the first would be an understatement. Um, Eddie, first and ten. Triple coverage. First and ten. Like, you you need a field goal. It, it, it's not fourth and ten. It's mm-hmm. not third and, and eight. Like, Darius Butler had a tweet after the game. And I know you've done shows with Darius Butler. I mean, he's great insight saying there's not one tendency from a Titans defensive back on that play that indicates you, that ball should be thrown there. Not one. You watch the play. The Titans look like the Colts defense giving up all this underneath stuff mm-hmm. in that instance. Jonathan Taylor, 
is wide the I won't cuss, but you know, wide the blank open. Check it down. Check it down. Um, pretty clean pocket. You know, it's not like they were he was under duress either. It's just I don't get it. Kevin Byard's a great player, certainly, and read his eyes. And like you said, call it double coverage. Hell, it's probably triple. It might be. <laughs> there are a lot of white shirts. I saw I saw two on pit. One was behind to prevent the you know the catch and run, kind of mm-hmm. like the AJ Brown situation, and then one was trailing across the field behind Pittman, like stride for yeah, stride. Yeah, a linebacker. Then, I think it was David Long. Yeah, and yeah. then Byard came off. It looked like of Mo to make the interception, and in that situation, to me, I'm like. I saw it live. I was watching it. I was like, what the heck are you doing? Just awful. Um, absolutely awful and and, and costly. Um, we can be very critical of Carson Wentz, and we can be very critical of Frank Reich, and we will be um, on, on this podcast today. Uh, again, 52%, 4.5 yards per pass attempt. That is a horrific, horrific combination against a defense that had um, corners out there that, you know, they're probably – Broadway Street acts, you know, and they just pulled them up. Hey, you want to bust it up 65 for a game? Like, I, I, um, bad, bad from Carson Wentz. Haven't seen that yet, but we saw it. And quarterbacks get evaluated for moments like that. I want to point something else out too on the fan morning show after, I think it was Friday, maybe, when you were making your predictions, you said you think the Colts would blow it late. And you said there would be one play where the loss of Julian Blackman was felt. And I think it was felt in that 57-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Brown. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that tackle attempt by Xavier Rhodes was, uh, to call it an attempt, would probably be given it a compliment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Sendejo was late getting over the top, I want to say, or Odom, mm-hmm. or one, one of the two. And now you got a Kari Willis injury to watch as well. So, you know, I, I went with the Titans, even though I told a lot of people, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't have a great explanation, but like until, and I said this to Dan on Friday when I go on his show, until the Colts do it, I'm not picking them. Right. And I know that's soft thinking, but, like, it's eight straight against playoff teams. Like, I I, I can't go. The Titans are 5-0 and against playoff teams this year. That's nuts. The Colts are 0-5. Two franchises right now. Woo! Opposite. Opposite directions. Uh, quickly, what I liked, Derrick Henry stuff in the run. Um, again, I know he's hurt, but still. Long rush of nine. Uh, 28 carries for 68 yards. Grover Stewart was outstanding, setting the tone, resetting the line of scrimmage. I hated the plan against A.J. Brown. 10 catches on 11 targets. Hated, hated, hated. But I want to commend the defense for what they've done against um, Derrick Henry in both meetings. I also feel like great work by Kenny Moore on that first pick. That was nice, man. Disguising it well. Zone, or excuse me, man dropping into zone there. So, um, yeah. Uh, Let's sneak in. We got about uh, time for about, let's do about 15, 20 minutes of, uh, of uh, Twitter questions. Was there anything else I liked or was that it? Uh, no, that was it. We're shutting down Derek Henry. All right, first question comes from Tanner. Turn that seat warmer up another notch, KB. I'm so sick of losing to good teams. The first question in his tweet, how do you only give JT the ball 16 times when he averaged nearly six yards a carry? Um, I wish I had an answer. Second question, is Frank Reich's overanalyzation of offensive play calling going to be the dagger to this talented Colts team? I love the culture that is being built here. Kudos to Frank and Ballard. But at some point, you have to just go win an important game, and I'm not sold that this play calling can get the job done. Yeah, um, it, it's a fair question. Like, I go back to, like, 
there's not enough lives in the NFL season to learn from your, your mistakes in season and survive those. You know, it's just and Frank is supposed to be the master. You know, this mm-hmm. is why he was hired. Um, you have talked about too stubborn, too married to Wentz. Um, boy, it's it's just weird that like we're at this point where. You know, Frank, after that game, immediately regrets that screen screen call so much, like very quickly. Mm-hmm. And yet, when you have that decision-making time while the Titans are on offense and you're on defense and you talk to the people in the booth and sideline and whatnot, and you still don't, that's the call that you go with. You know, it's just like, that's fatal. And he has too important of a job for this football team to make those those mistakes you have to wonder if that was the play call if it's a touchback or whatever the situation was yeah like is that unquestionably the first play of that drive yeah i just well it was the nine yard line something like that right yeah it was it was close it it, it was backed up um eight eight yard line so yeah man i just and again i like frank as a play caller more often than not uh the usage of running back personnel is probably where my biggest disagreement has come into play Mm -hmm. um you know, at times it's just like twenty-eight touch it. And I know it's it's oversimplifying things to a degree, and I get it. There's some RPOs where Wentz is, you know, handling it or making the right decisions on those RPOs. And again, Frank and I definitely disagree on this. But um, seven plays in overtime, one touch, can't go there. Sam, do you feel like Reich? Says one thing and then does another too much. I feel like we have seen this before where he explains away questionable play calling post game by saying that, quote, the flow of the game dictated this or that, end quote. Yeah. I just don't see any excuse to not feed JT in overtime when we were down to three healthy receivers. There should be no reason for Wentz to throw it for 51 times in a game. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, again, treating Wentz like he's Aaron Rodgers, you know, and and I just don't <clears> – yeah, <throat> I can't go there. The whole flow of the game, I think that's huge. I think that's such a big, big part of it as well. So I'm glad you brought that up, Sam. One thing I want to hit on quick, KB, before we get to our next question, I just found this. Michael Pittman, only three targets in the second half. He had 12 wow. in the first half. Does that include OT? Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, he had the big one down the field on that third and 16, the crazy play. Right. Um, yeah, that, you know, he, he's becoming a guy where you got to force feed it a little bit. I do want to mention, I, I don't know if where we should bring this up, but let's go throw it in here. Let's throw in the Derrick Henry injury news that we just heard about yeah. and just what that means for the Colts. Um, I don't think it changes my opinion of the division at all. They're 6-2. and two, You're 3-5. and five. They still have the Dolphins, Jags, and... Two against the Texans. Yep. You've got to get to 10. That means 7-2. and two. So that means out of Buffalo, Tampa, Arizona, and let's throw in the Raiders, you got to go 2-2 two and two and win the rest. Mm-hmm. And two of those are on the road, correct? Uh, yes, at Buffalo and at Arizona. So that means they have got to only win three games the rest of the way. So we're saying that they lose to you know Saints, Rams, I think they got Patriots in there. They lose all those. And that means they have to lose one of two against the Texans, Dolphins, Jacks. I, I, I can't go division guy. Like I, I'll do it maybe in December, but as of right now, 
put on your G-men hat for tonight. Like, you got to start cheering for these wildcard teams mm-hmm. in the mix to lose. So, I did want to stick that in there. Absolutely crushing blow, though, for the Titans. Ryan slash CMC. Hey, KB, I was wondering if the reason we abandoned the run yet again was because of the calls at the line of scrimmage by Wentz or it was more play calling by Reich. I'm all for being aggressive, but Jonathan Taylor has proven time and time again he deserves more carries. Yeah. I'm not sure who else he can uh Dude, I don't. I'm not sure what else he can do to get him the ball at this point. You know, if I'm Frank, I think I'm uh, I'm trumping some things. You know, I I get it. The box could look like that, but it's sometimes it's just mano a mano, our best against your best, and our best is better than your best. And I just feel like there are some situations. It's not like the Titans are some vaunted run defense. Um, they are not. Maybe a few checks, but but I I don't. We, we had a lot of questions about Taylor and usage. Um, so yeah, I, I nope, I don't agree with it. This one from Jay. If well-coached teams find ways to win close games, what does that make the Colts who find ways to lose close games and games with double-digit leads? Thanks, KB. Too many times this year, my only solace is yet another soul-crushing loss is the big Cartheric group. Uh, I'm not going to say this word. Session slash Group bitch session. There we go. You're good. You're good. On your podcast. (laughs) Keep up the good work. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, sorry about that. It has kind of turned into a, a little bit of group group therapy here. Um, you can't argue with that. Um, you know, penalty wise, they're typically a well coached football team, but you squander the. I mean, hell, I'm watching the Jets beat a playoff team and the Titans and the Bengals. I guess I don't know. We'll see if the Bengals are a playoff team, but um, uh, right now the Colts are lacking in the coaching department. Certainly. And again, they're at blame. Ballard, Reich, Wentz, you know, def- I mean, the pass rush continues to be absent. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, there's blame everywhere, but yeah, coaching issue. It's about players, not plays, is what Rick Venturi always says. Always. This one from Justice. I know it is easy to say in hindsight, but shouldn't Reich have gone for two after tying the game with that touchdown with Taylor? At this point, it feels like the Colts were lucky to be in a close game. Thank you for what you do. It is always a pleasure to listen. Justice from Germany. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Justice. Happy Monday to you there. I know you're deep into your day at this point, but appreciate that. You've made it across the water. Yeah, we, we have. Shocking. Um, but no, very grateful. We actually have a good amount of following over there in Europe, so love to hear from Justice. Going for two, you know, I I wasn't like gung-ho about it, but I was very open-minded to it, you know, because again, I typically like Frank's, I think Frank and short yardage, um, it's been an improvement lately, like kind of the third and twos, fourth and one. And I'm talking more kind of like middle of the field, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I love the RPO aspect with Wentz. I love the two backs with Wentz. How many times do you see sticking in the belly and Doyle's wide, wide open in the flat? Mm-hmm. Or I, I just feel like you dump a ball to Pittman and he's not getting tackled right away. So I was open-minded to it, especially because I'm not going to pretend to know Michael Badgley's kicking career, but one of the bigger kicks of Badgley's life was that extra pointer <laughs> to send it in overtime. Now he... he yeah, he kind of snuck it in the left upright, so that would have crept into my mind. Now, they got the ball to start overtime, and Frank's explanation was, um, you know, the low red zone plays they had used a lot of. So I'm not going to rip Frank at all for that, but I definitely was curious. Um, I wonder if Rabel would have gone for it. Rabel probably would have, knowing him. Even with Henry Limited? Yeah. I mean, Rick Venturi was all over it on the broadcast. He was like, oh, they're going for it. If they, He said Rabel probably would have went for it because that's just what – yeah. Vrabel does and who he is. Right. I remember in the first meeting, he went for the nine to take the nine-point lead when, right. they, when they scored that touchdown like the middle of the fourth quarter. I'm like, oh, my God, what's he doing in that end of the game? Right. <laughs> More or less at that point there. So, yeah, Justice, it is, a, it is a fair fair question to ask. I don't know if you said this or not, but when Reich said to me, 
or on the media after the game that they ran all their close red zone or low red zone plays. You would think you'd be able to have some success if you run, you know, one of the earlier plays again in the game. Right. That. And I also am just like, and I don't know, part of me after watching Illinois Penn State maybe has this like ingrained in my head, <laughs> but like you've got to have like three or four just two two point conversion plays that literally are for that. Right. You know, just on a day in training camp, you drill that for a half hour. And sure, if there's a fourth and goal at one point in the season and you really need it, you tap into that. But there are still some two minute plays where you never touch. And you just, I just think they're so, like, I've seen a lot of window dressing off the two backs, off the RPOs that I love. Like, if you go back and watch that Doyle touchdown, that Mm -hmm. is masterful creativity, design, execution, all of that. Um, I just believe in Frank's creativity in the short yardage that, honestly, I guess it's a compliment to him that that I'm kind of standing behind that. Uh, So, yeah. I think nine times out of ten, if you do just a simple read action or RPO, you have Taylor on the right right, right hip or Hines on the left hip. You let Wentz read it, yeah. and then you either have the, the tight end in the flat or you've got Pittman or the receiver coming across the middle on a slant. Could not agree more. This one from Z Palm. Why is Ashton Doolin having more targets than JT late in the fourth and in overtime? Yeah, Ash, or Z Palm, I got nothing for you, man. I'd like to see another receiver involved, too, Eddie. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see Kiki Kuti maybe get involved. Uh, maybe Mike Strawn. Um, I know the playbook has kind of been a challenge for, for Strawn, which is understandable, but Kuti's a guy that's been established before. And so, especially with TY, if he's going to be out, you know. Is that the main reason why Strawn's been like healthy scratches lately? Hasn't I think seen so. much time. Okay. You know, really only learned one one position. I think you got to remember, too. I mean, you know, he played at whatever the hell it's called, Charleston or whatever. And like they didn't play football last year. Mm-hmm. So I just think, in general, his playbook knowledge is just. And that's why I've tried to make it clear out of camp, like. Red zone. Like, that. that's really – and I don't know, maybe you can't evolve them right. in the red zone right now. But, you know, I, I was very low on the quantity of reps for Mike Strom. This one from Mike. Reich always says he self-scouts on his decisions, and yet every time he makes the same mistakes and says, quote, that's on me. Every time it's really starting to get old. I know Reich is the coach for this team, but I can't defend some of the, his decisions. Where do we go from here, Kevin? Because I'm lost, man. Absolutely crushed. Mike, I, I, I hear you. Um, you know, what a big final nine games, Eddie. Um, we've made the seat warmer analogy before on this show, and uh, I've got mine dialed up. Well, let's say it's got three levels. Uh, I'm, I'm on level two with, with Frank and Chris. Like, I, I feel like at times we, we, we forget about Chris. I mean, who, who hired the head coach? You know, I've always said this about mm-hmm. the Grigson era. For the people that, you know, want to defend Grigson, so oftentimes they say, well, coaching was an issue. Ryan Grigson hired Chuck Pagano. <laughs> like, like, come on now. I mean, the GM is the overseer uh, of it all. And I know, you know, not every answer is just fire, fire, fire. But, you know, there, there has to be, um, you know, stepping in. What I hope from Jim Mercer is this. I just hope critical evaluation. And not just complacency. Not just like, hey, I signed him to these extensions. You know, I, I, I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, critically evaluate. Jim Mercer, be a man that backs up the two Lombardi talk. You know, you, you and I know we all laugh at it, but Jim said this for years. So, if that's a goal and you publicly state that, back that up with your actions mm-hmm. and, and critically look at both of these guys and their decision making. This one from Jerry: Do you think we should trade Carson Wentz for a first round pick and start Sam Ellinger for the rest of the oh season? God. No, just Jerry. Yeah, better chance I play Augusta with Tiger Woods tomorrow. Um, 
No chance. And boy, if Tiger could walk 18, I'd be so happy right now. Um, How is he doing? Do you know? I, I thought they showed a picture of him uh, watching his son play the other day, and I was like, all right, uh, what are his master's odds? I'm gonna go. <laughs> so I, I think we're a long ways away, but in public, doing some walking. Um, again, I have no idea anything but beyond that. Okay, I know we're in the final minutes of the pod because you got to actually go do work. Yeah. Um, this one from Jacob. Why can't we beat good teams? I don't know what the answer is. It just seems we have so many good things in place, and yet we still can't overcome playoff caliber teams. Yeah, I think we got enough time to finish the rest of them, Eddie. So let's um, let's go with them all. Yeah, you just lack a killer instinct. You know, maybe I'm kind of scarred from watching the previous era. But think about it, man. Quarterback and pass rush. They win games late. Colts don't sniff elite in the pass rush, certainly. And quarterback, they're not there. Um, so I, I, I point to those areas. Ben, what are the odds the Colts keep Badgley over Hot Rod? Mm, no. feel like he has a bigger leg and is fairly accurate. Also, regarding the brutal INT and overtime, do you fault the play calling for not being more conservative when all we had to when all we needed is a field goal or Carson Wentz for not seeing the check down. JT and Mo were wide in all caps open. Yeah, it's an understatement. Uh, second INT, definitely on Wentz. He treated it like it was a fourth and ten. Uh, Badgley over Hot Rod, no, I'm not holding my breath on it. This one from YR. Eberflus has been pretty maligned since he's been here, but is it fair to judge him when the defense lacks a pass rush? The one thing you need to do for this defense to work is rush with the front four, and the Colts can't do that until they can. Is it fair to blame Eberflus? Well, it's on somebody. I mean, how, how much draft capital are you going to give them? Either that group's got about just as much as any in the NFL, so it's either on him or on Ballard or on both. I texted you this after one of the games, and I said it it was a Baltimore game. I said, when you look at that pass rush, it seems like all of those guys have one move, and it's yeah. straight bull rush. Right. There's no spin. There's no twist. There's no stunts or anything like that. This went from Austin. Hey, Kevin, this was brought to my attention yesterday. Would Carson Wentz be a good candidate for comeback player of the year? Uh, I got to cut you off there. It's got to be Dak, right? I mean, I know Dak's all banged up, but I mean, maybe Burrow. Or, yeah, I was about uh, to say. Yeah, I would say Dak. I mean, yeah, I, I I'd have to look at a list closer, but unless things really get turned around, no. I know some of these questions were probably sent in before the game. Okay, last one. In your eyes, probably the greatest name ever. His name is <laughs> Kevin. Obviously, still a lot of time for it to become an issue later in the season, but how impressive has it been so far this team hasn't had serious COVID outbreaks with holding any players out due to protocols? Not sure when the last uh not sure when the last team statistics were provided on the team vaccination rates, but preseason concerns maybe feel we would have more issues by now. Must have just turned into bad injury luck instead. Thanks. Yeah, honestly, it's 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 kind of crazy. You see what happened in Green Bay and in Chicago, and so far, you know, it hasn't been an issue. So we'll see. Um how that plays out. All right, Eddie Garrison, hate to uh, cut it off as quickly here, as as abruptly as I would like, but uh, that's where we're at right now. Um, kind of like Frank Wright getting rid of Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> touche. Touche on that. He is Eddie Garrison. Uh, does a great job filling in on our various shows when he's producing. Also produces... Um, what Colts pregame? Colts correct? pregame do highlights. Pacers every night, so you hear him, Pat Boylan, and uh, uh, Mark Boyle on those broadcasts. Eddie, thanks for the last minute uh, filling, man. No problem, man. Always, always open for the invitation. That's Eddie Garrison right there. Kevin's corner. We'll be back Friday morning recapping Colts and Jets. Everybody have a great week.
This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.